Hello again, everybody. Thank you for joining our Board Governance Podcast. My name is Mark Bednars, Head of the Risk Advisory Practice here at PKF O'Connor Davies. Uh, today I have Professor Jeff Haas. He's a professor of law at New York Law School. Uh, he has his own practice, also provides expert witness testimony, and has been on boards for the last 20 years. Uh, professor Haas, thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, Mark. Happy to be here with you and your audience. So today we're going to be discussing board members' fiduciary responsibility. It's, it's so important for people, for board members to really think about having the company and shareholders' best interest at heart. So, you know, I'm very familiar with, you know, the duty of care, uh, you know, which is really focusing on making sure you make informed decisions, uh, you know, whether it's reviewing internal information, external information, or bringing in subject matter experts to come in to help them with certain types of issues. Uh, but today we're going to be really talking about and really focusing on duty of loyalty. And to me, it's really having, again, company and shareholders' best interest at heart and really avoiding conflicts of interest. So I'm going to be starting off uh asking Professor Haas, can you provide me an example of conflict of interest? Sure, and they come up all the time. Um, and the duty uh, of the duty of loyalty, uh, all the fiduciary duties, they apply not only to directors and officers of publicly traded companies, but also those that are privately held. So it's important to all types of companies. Uh, a good example of a conflict of interest situation is uh, take a company that has trouble with its marketing function, and it decides to recruit uh, a top executive from an advertising firm to join the board. Uh, eventually, that company is looking to hire an advertising firm uh, to help with its marketing campaign. And not surprisingly, the newly recruited director would love to have his or her firm get that work. Um, the big question is, can the company pursue a contract with that firm or does the conflict of interest uh, ruin that possibility? So, uh, are conflict of interest transactions banned? Uh, they're not banned. Um, historically, uh, people were very suspicious of them, and rightfully so. Um, today, the existence of a conflict is the beginning, not the end of the analysis. Uh, all states, uh, including the all-important state of Delaware, have so-called interested director statutes, uh, which allow the taint of conflict uh, to be cleansed and allow the transaction to move forward. Um, Delaware Section 144 uh, is the interested director statute in the state of Delaware. And the conflict of transaction transaction will not be void or voidable if one of three cleansing processes occurs. Uh, and the first and the one most utilized is disinterested director approval. That is, if the so-called interested director, the person who is on essentially both sides of the transaction, fully discloses uh, the existence of that conflict, and then a majority of the disinterested directors on that board vote to approve that transaction, nonetheless, uh, the taint of conflict will be cleansed. Now, alternatively, you could have full disclosure plus approval by a majority of disinterested shareholders. 
That's also a cleansing mechanism. Uh, and Delaware has a third and final cleansing mechanism. If either of the first two are not pursued, you can still fall back on what's called objective fairness. No harm, no foul. If at the end of the day, the interested director transaction bears all the hallmarks of an arm's length transaction, nobody's been exploited, the same deal that the interested director is providing is also provided uh, by third parties at arm's length, then if it's objectively fair, um, you can fall back on that as well. Oh, that's terrific. Because that was going to be one of my next questions was, you know, if you had a conflict of interest, can you either somehow cleanse it or be able to move forward? So I appreciate uh, providing that uh, insight here. Again, I'm sure our listeners and myself would be very interested to know uh, is if a board member can be personally liable and if they do not, you know, if they have an issue regarding either due care or due loyalty here. Uh, yeah, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, to the extent uh, a director has exploited his or her corporation for personal gain, um, the main monetary remedy uh, is uh, disgorgement of the so-called overcharge, the amount by which the company has been exploited compared to a third-party arm's-length transaction. Uh, and also a concern, certainly if you're a director of a publicly traded company, is with your reputational capital. Um, men and women on boards uh, uh, often seek positions on additional boards, and positions sometimes open up and are eliminated by virtue of mergers, other acquisition activity. And so you want a sterling reputation. And if you have a court case, for example, that found you in breach of your duty of loyalty, especially you're the one who kind of instigated the whole thing, you know, it's going to damage your reputational capital and kind of foreclose other opportunities with other companies' boards. So directors have to be mindful of that as well. Perfect. Professor Haas, thank you for, for taking the time out today. Uh, we greatly appreciate this. And again, we're an accounting firm, so we don't provide legal advice. So how does somebody get in contact with you? Uh, sure, Mark. Um, the best way would be to go to the New York Law School website. That's nyls.edu. Uh, and there's a list of faculty on there. And my contact information is under my bio. So super. I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for joining our podcast. We look forward for you to listen in on our next one. Thank you very much.